Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our weekly Penguins chat. Andrew Dessen, of course, with Matt Venzel here. Before we get into any Penguins talk about the team on their current four-game win streak, I want to remind you that this uh, this podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your new home or in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. Again, that's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. All right, the Penguins are 7-6 and six on the season overall, have won four in a row, including going a perfect 3-0 on the West Coast road trip out to California. Um, so currently sit at six in the Metro and take on the Blue Jackets Tuesday night in Columbus. But the premise of this podcast, we want to talk about some trends from the start of the season. Um, there are certainly a number of them, whether you're looking at the special teams, whether you're looking at five on five play. And one of the first that comes to mind for the forefront with the Penguins is the finishing issues um, from the beginning of the year, changing for the better recently in the win streak. So the way we'll kind of go about this with the podcast is I'll throw out a couple of trends there. And we'll see what Matt's thoughts on them are. So the first one. The I'll weather will continue, correct? we got to yes. frame this properly. Yep. yep. All right. <laughs> Let's go. All right. First and foremost, finishing issues. Uh, well before, well below expected goals for at the start. Now pretty far above. Kind of finding themselves in the middle. Last year, certainly finishing issues was a problem. It seems to have gone in the better direction now. Do you expect that to continue? Uh, what are you expecting on that front? To a degree, yes. Um Everything's really inflated by the fact that they scored 10 goals against the Sharks, the league's worst team. Um, you know, so that's going to skew those numbers a little bit back in the right direction. But I, I do think the finishing, um, you know, last year, the Penguins, we, we've talked about this in this space previously, but the last year, the Penguins were number two in the league and expected goals, uh, according to Sport Logic's tracking. And they finished 16th in actual goals. So the biggest discrepancy in the league in terms of process versus results. And that's how the season started for the Penguins. Obviously, as you said, during this winning streak, they're starting to put the puck in the net. Um, so I do think that's that's going to trend back to normal in terms of that. But I still don't know if this is going to be a team that's that's scoring above expectation. Um, the good news is, is they get a bunch of chances, um, you know, pretty much every game. So, you know, it, it's better that you're getting chances than you are. Uh, finishing kind of at an abnormal rate. You know, it's funny, though, the, the last game we saw them play against Buffalo, 
Um, another game where they had a boatload of chances and they couldn't score on their quality chances. And, and Brian Russ pointed this out after the game. You know, we scored on some of our worst chances. Uh, we saw Malkin score from the corner. We saw Drew O'Connor's first goal. So they did get the puck luck that they've been saying is going to go their way. Um, so long answer here. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I, I, I think, you know, the, the finishing is going to be better than it was last year, but I don't think they're going to be some elite finishing team. Um, and, and that might not matter if they're, they're generating this number of chances every game. Right. You, you kind of beat me to it there. I was going to ask you there um, on that point, just given how last year, like you mentioned, second in the league and expected goals for um, would just being a league average team in terms of finishing, like being right around the number that they're expected to. Would that be enough of a trend for the Penguins to be able to, you know, qualify the play for the playoffs or just in general be a successful team, whatever that's determined as of how we're deep of a run. But if you were just an average team at finishing the way that they've been, I guess, over the course of the season, though it's been a bit of a roller coaster up and down, well below and then well above. If you're just an average team, is that enough for this core to be able to get to the postseason, you think? Yeah, get to the postseason, sure. Yeah, I mean, chances plus decent finishing is going to result in enough goals, especially if they're playing defensively the way they've been recently. Um, you know, they're probably going to need more if they're going to go for a deep run. That's a long way down the road here. Um, right. But, you know, as Mike Sullivan said the other day, and, and you know, he said it previously, like the, the DNA of this team is offense. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to need to score at a high rate. They're not, you know, they can defend all right. We've seen it over the last couple of weeks. But, um, you know, if they're going to do anything this year, they're going to need to score a lot of goals. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, if they're getting decent shooting percentage on these chances, plus, um, you know, top five and the opportunities they're getting, that's going to be a pretty good formula. Right. Speaking of offense being the DNA of the team, that kind of takes us into the next trend I wanted us to get into um, is with the team being carried by the top guys, right? It's no secret here in Pittsburgh that the big three is always going to be at the forefront. Um, that seems to be the case here, especially even with these guys in age 36, 37 seasons. Uh, the question to you is, can this team sustainably be carried by the top guys, you know, without the depth, without the depth forwards, bottom six being key scorers? Can the lead guys continue to lead the charge? And can that be a sustainable trend? I mean, I believe that the lead guys can can no doubt, uh, you know, lead the charge. We're seeing it right now. Um, you know, Sid's playing great. Malkin is, is playing possibly just as well, maybe maybe even better. Carlson's really picking up steam. Latang's not putting up the points, but he's playing a great all-around game. Brian Rust is on a heater to start the year. Riley Smith has been good. Go on and on down the list. I mean, this team was built for their, you know, top two lines and top two pairs to do, um, you know, carry most of the load. So we're seeing that now. Um, you know, that said, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that this team is is going to go anywhere. We saw that last year. Um, you know, Crosby and Malkin played every game together for the first time in their careers. You know, Sid, you know, flirted with 100 points for a little while. Gino played well. Um, and they still miss the playoffs. So I do think the supporting cast is better. The energy around the team is different. Um, you know, and, and you know, you have to think the goaltender is going to be better than it was last year. But just because those guys are playing awesome, they're stars, uh, and even if it continues, it, it doesn't guarantee that the Penguins are going to make the playoffs. Right. When you look at that group in particular, I mean, it seems like everybody is really on a heater right now. The only exception maybe you would say is Ricard Raquel, who's been impactful for that line in other ways. But um, it, it really just kind of seems like this is a group that still, even at this stage, those guys are kind of carrying play or leading that charge. Um, is there anything more that you look at from those top two lines that you really could ask for if you're Mike Sullivan? Or is this about what you would expect from these groups? Just power play. Um, 
they're starting to pick up steam in the power play, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But yeah, that would be the one area. I mean, they're they're certainly doing it at five on five. I mean, even the third line as well. I mean, if you look at some of the you know sites like Natural Stat Trick or Money Puck in terms of their expected goals models, um, you know, all three of those lines are pretty good, particularly the top two in terms of just you know chances generated for and against. Um, so yeah, if there's anything to to nitpick at this point, it's just put the puck in the net at on on the power play. You highlighted Carlson there when talking about some of the main guys. Obviously, a huge offseason acquisition for the Penguins. Um, at the beginning of the season, or rather leading up to that San Jose game, um, there was a discussion about, I know you wrote about this, of uh, with Carlson, of whether or not he can unlock another level to his game. Mike Sullivan said as much. Um, the last five games in particular, it seems like he has kind of taken that next leap. Nine points, first two goal effort, albeit one of them was an empty netter uh, for the Penguins in Saturday's win. Um what do you think has been the key to him having greater success lately? And is this a trend that Penguins fans should expect to to continue from the guy who was billed as perhaps the savior for the Penguins coming into the season? Well, I still think there's more there. Um, no doubt he's been productive over the last five games. What is it? Three goals, six assists, plus eight rating. I mean, he's getting it done. Um, you know, I, I think the area where we're really seeing it shine is his breakout passes. He already was... Um, you know, one of the league's best defensemen in terms of completing stretch passes. And we've really seen that show up in some of the goals recently, with just his kind of nifty playmaking to, you know, he just has a way of like leaning one way, pulling a defender and almost like passing back across his body to make a, you know, just a quick little pass. that just unlocks the breakout and the way the Penguins go. Um, you know, it was two goals the other night. Look, one was an empty netter. The other one was a shot from the point that hit a stick and went in. So, you know, I think that's kind of skewing a little bit in terms of production. So I still think there's more there in terms of him as a scorer. But, I mean, is this guy up to a point per game at this point? And we're still talking about that there might be more there for him to hit. I, I think that's a great sign. And and also defensively, I mean, him and Patterson have been really solid together. I mean, a lot of it has to do with Patterson. Um, you know, he's just really become a, a just rock-solid defenseman over the last two years and a good match for Carlson's skill set. But I, I think Carlson deserves credit as well. I mean – um, you know, he's defending hard. He uses his skating to disrupt at the blue line and to just kind of pen people in the, the perimeter offensively. So, yeah, it's been great all around. And I, I do think there's more there in terms of, you know, his own scoring and playmaking off the rush. Is there any more you, you mentioned there off the rush? Is there any more that he can provide to this team or is that not the role? I, I, I lead with that saying um, what you wrote about how he's been excellent at the stretch passes going from cross ice. But. Um, with entering the zone. That's something that he was asked to do a lot in San Jose to be the guy leading the charge into the zone uh, offensively. Is that something that we could per uh, perhaps see more from Carlson here or just given the way the team is composed is structured that that's not necessarily something that's a responsibility for Carlson or something he needs to be asked to do? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I was talking about. Yeah, I mean, there's more to his game. That's one way he can do it. He hasn't needed to do it. Um, you know, the context of these two teams are completely different. When he was in San Jose, they didn't have a lot of talent. He needed to do a lot more than he has to do in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, so yeah, there, there's probably going to be times where they need him to be more assertive and, and jump into the play, get into the, the, you know, the inner slot to try to score goals and, you know, in zone sequences. Um, yeah. So that that's there, but I think for the most part, um, you know, he's just doing a better job over the last two weeks of just kind of fitting into way the, the way the Penguins want to play and just kind of figuring out, okay, the timing of these plays, how to get to the puck to these guys on the move and just kind of getting used to his new teammates as well as Sullivan's system. Right.
you uh, earlier brought up the third line. That's another point I wanted to get into here. Um, it's been no secret. It's been written about a lot of how Redeem Zahorna has injected life into that group. Uh, you brought up Drew O'Connor with the first goal of the season for him. First, I believe, since March of last year. Um, across the board, there have been a lot of metrics that point to why the third line has been good, um, or rather has been better at the very least relative to last season. Um, when you look at this group, is this one that, whether it's the, the cast in place, the three guys they got on that line, or the production they're getting, um, is this a group that you sustainably look at as can be a positive, a net positive for the Penguins? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I don't know if this trio of players is going to go wire to wire in terms of playing together. Um, you know, there will be shuffling, whether that's due to injuries or, you know, whenever the team starts to struggle again, which is inevitable in an 82-game season. Um, but I do think, you you know, there's enough there where you, you do wonder if this is a line that could stay together for a long time, which, you know, if you look at that situation going into the training camp, um, you know, we didn't even know which of these guys was going to be on the team and, and who was going to play with whom. I mean, the third line was the big question mark. I think we all kind of thought we knew what the first, second, and fourth lines would look like. So, yeah, I think that's a positive development itself. Even if we don't see, you know, O'Connor, Eller, and Zahorna stay together, those three guys are all playing pretty well um, and have been impactful players. And, you know, maybe we see a guy move up the lineup. I mean, you mentioned Raquel struggling. Maybe it gets to the point where he gets dropped down to the third line or, you know, maybe the fourth line is a problem. They have to shuffle that. But I, I think you can feel good. And the key thing here is we know Lars Eller is definitely going to be on that third line, um, you know, until there's an injury to one of the top two guys. And I, I think he's played really well. Um, you know, you wonder how he's going to hold up over the long season. He's, you know, in his mid thirties, older guy. I know they're trying to manage his minutes a little bit. That's why we don't see him a ton on the power play, the number two power play. Um, but I think the fact that he's fit in well, he's playing well defensively and has been a pretty good playmaker as well. And heck that shorthanded goal he scored against the Kings was, was a real beauty. So I think you can feel good about that. And we'll just see, you know, if those two wingers, you know, how long they stick on his line. But that's a bit, been a big part of their success for sure here over the last couple of weeks. Has the play from Eller at all been a surprise to you just based on the reputation the guy had built up certainly as a strong defensive player and can contribute occasionally offensively? But has there anything been anything about his game over the last dozen, 13 games he's gotten the chance to play here in Pittsburgh um, that stood out to you about Eller's game that maybe he has more left in the tank that you and I might have thought coming into the year? I mean, I wouldn't say surprised. I mean, you don't you don't want to make assumptions that guys are going to fit in seamlessly. I mean, we heck, you talk about that third line center spot. Um, you know, we've seen plenty of guys rotate through that spot over the years, and, and some like Nick Bonino were great fits. The other guys like Derek Broussard uh, proved to be poor fits for whatever reason. So you never really know. But in terms of just what he's brought to the table, I think he's come as advertised. Um, he's a really good defensive center, responsible two way player. And he's a pretty good playmaker. I, I know he scored that beautiful goal that I just talked about. He's not really known as a scorer, um, you know, and I don't think he's suddenly going to become a, a 20 goal guy at 34 or whatever he is. But, um, you know, in terms of what he's brought to the table, I, I think this is kind of what I wouldn't say expected, but kind of was hoped. And yeah, you just never know how guys are going to fit in. But so far, he's been a, a great fit for them. Mentioning uh, new fits and new additions, Riley Smith is one who certainly uh, has fit in for the Penguins, um, whether that's at five on five or or five on five, excuse me, uh, or on the power play. Um, since he's been added, uh, the Penguins power play has seemed to find another level. Um, you mentioned how there's the fluky goal with the Carlson power play goal, but in general, um, over this last four game stretch, seems to have taken another step forward. Uh, 27% conversion rate over that stretch. That's the better half of the league. Um, what, I guess it's a two-part question. The first would be, 
was the key to finding something more sustainable to power play, adding Smith? Um, or what do you think has been the key to allowing the power play to find more success if this is a sustainable model? Well, I think most people would probably say, well, it couldn't couldn't have been any worse. So they had nowhere to go with up. And I, I would agree with that. I mean, we, we see it time after time with these core players. Um, you know, they, they start to struggle on the power play, then they start to overthink it, and it just kind of snowballs. And uh, that's what we saw early in the season from their, their top players. So um, getting back to some successful stuff, um, Smith certainly helped, though. Um, you know, no offense to Brian Russ, Ricardo Cal, they're good players. They're just, you know, these guys all have different strengths and weaknesses. I, I think with Smith, um, he's been really good attacking on that left flank, which has opened some stuff up. He's decisive, which they need just someone to speed it up. Like you compare him with Raquel, for example. Um, Raquel's just a more deliberate player, patient, takes his time. And I, I think this group needs to be sped up a little bit. And I think Smith has helped there. But, um, you know, I think the bigger thing is just the other guys on the power play, you know, just being a little bit more assertive. I think we've seen that more from Carlson, which has been a big part of it. You know, we talked about him just needing to shoot more. You know, obviously the Pens need to have guys in front of the net, which helps. Um, but, yeah, I think him him shooting more and being a little bit more assertive has helped as well. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Um, still a couple of goose eggs in there over that stretch. And as you noted, the or I noted, somebody noted, um, you know, the goal they scored against Buffalo was was pretty fluky. But I think you could feel good about how they were moving the puck in the power play prior to that. So the talent's there. The Penguins will point to the, again, the advanced statistics to say that they're getting good looks. Um, you know, we'll just see if they can keep it going. But that's the thing I think, you know, if they can take that power play to another level, and this is something where we see them, you know, converting it 25% or so the rest of the way, um, that's going to make them a very dangerous team because they're already scoring a, a boatload of goals right now. And if you get more on the power play, look out. One troubling tr trend I want to bring up because you, you mentioned that point of how the power play, if it can reach that level, how impactful it can be. Um, this one might be just entirely luck, but based on the numbers right now, the Penguins have spent the least time on the power play of any team in the league. Um, is that a trend that anybody should glean anything into, or is that just happenstance, random chance, or uh, what would you say could possibly be an explanation for, for that statistic? Well, I think that was the case last year, too. Um, you know, they, they're just not a team that has, has drawn a lot of penalties. Um, you know, some... There's probably a few theories you could throw out there. One being they don't have a lot of Mark Friedman types who draw retaliatory penalties. Um, you know, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. I know the Penguins would probably feel that they should get more penalties in there, but but yeah, I mean that's that's another thing too. Like for the for the power play, I mean they typically get better the more power plays they get as long as they're they're doing something with them. It, they just start to figure some stuff out. They start to get some confidence. They start to get some momentum. Uh, more puck touches for their stars and, and you know over the course of a game if you get five power plays as opposed to three um you know it's going to make more of a difference but i you know it's hard to really pinpoint why they haven't been able to do it other than they don't have a lot of agitators and um you know maybe maybe they're not going to the net, net enough as well i don't know put on your reporter hat ask mike Sullivan that and see if he uh see if he wants to play ball <laughs> let's see how he likes that one no it was one that came to mind because i thought that you know, with the power play struggles, one thing that came to mind is I realized that maybe they aren't actually getting that many chances. And that's been part of the reason that it took a little bit of time to to gel. And with having Carlson in there, I, w I just wondered if that was part of it was, hey, maybe that it's taking a little bit of time to get to it because they're not having all that many real in-game chances. And that was part of the slower development that maybe is 
starting to come together here. Who knows? Just uh, well, we get to watch yeah. them in practice, and there's been plenty of days where they didn't look great in practice either. I know it's not quite the same same circumstances as a game, but I think there's more to it than just not getting enough power plays in games. I mean, I think they've had a lot of issues to to sort out, which is to be expected when you're taking Chris Letang off the top power play and putting a, a new unique player in there in Carlson. Right. One final special teams topic before we wrap up our discussion here. Um, wanted to ask you about the penalty kill. Um, it's pretty much been good all year. I believe it's 11th in the NHL uh, at a kill clip of 83%. Certainly that's a trend the Penguins would like to continue just based off of last year's struggles, especially in the second half. Um, it's a lot of new guys out there killing penalties. Um, is this a trend, Matt, that you look at as can continue? And I guess second would be how important would it be for it to continue for the Penguins? Uh, obviously it would be important. And yeah, I think this is one where it, it definitely can continue. I, I feel pretty good about it continuing. Um, you know, I think Mike Felucci, the assistant coach who runs the PK is a good coach. Um, he's very aggressive, um, in terms of pressuring up the ice. And, you know, I, I like the way he coaches that unit. Um, but the personnel I think is the big thing here. I, I just think their personnel is, is so much better than it was last year. Um, you know, and we'll start with two guys who aren't new. Um, Chris Letang has become a big part of the PK. That That's one of the, the byproducts of Carlson being added to the mix. And Letang going off the top power play means the Penguins are giving him more minutes by playing him in the PK. He's been very good. Um, Brian Rust as well. I mean, Mike Sullivan the other day called him their, their best penalty killer on the team. Um, he's another guy who's been used a lot on the PK. Um, you know, obviously that's not a new development, but... Um, you know, it feels like not super prepared here, but it feels like he's playing more on the PK than he has in recent years. And if not, it just feels like he's making the most of those minutes. He's just been more impactful. So those guys have been great. Um, Eller has fit in well. Achari has fit in well. Um, he's a guy you notice a lot blocking shots. Um, Graves is a good defender. So, um, you know, I, I think the personnel has a lot to do with it. You know, the group of guys they had last year, they just never really came together. And then there's goaltending. I, I think goaltending ties into that as well. Um, you know, I know it's like a total cliche when they're like, oh, the, the best penalty killers are, are goaltender. Well, that means your penalty kill wasn't very good, and then the goalie had to bail you out. I, I, I don't see those two things being completely tied together. But when you are getting the saves you need, um, you know, I, I think all their goalies have, have played well this year, at least, you know, we're seeing it now, at least from Jari, he's playing well. So I, I think all those things tie together. Um, you know, suggest that this can be a top 10 unit going forward. Um, and again, that's important, especially when you look at like some of these bottom six players, um, you know, even if they're not making a big impact at five on five, looking at you fourth line, um, you know, those guys can make up for it some by being really good on the PK. And I, I think that's been one of the redeeming things for Achari in particular. Um, he just really hasn't been super noticeable at five on five so far. Maybe that changes. He's, he's in a new situation. Um, but he has been pretty good on the PK. Right. Certainly a big wraparound there. A lot of guys to to touch on there. And certainly you bring up the Crystal Tang point. That's one that's certainly been noticeable to me. It's just been um, – it's no secret this is a guy who could be successful on the PK, has shown that in his career. And getting him back in that role, he's done pretty darn well in that. Um, but, I should mention Riley Smith, too. I, I didn't anticipate him being a regular in the PK when they acquired him. Um, but we've seen him used a good amount, too. And – um, you know, they're not really a team that is like pushing to score shorthanded goals. Um, but, you know, you have him out on the ice or Brian Rust or Lars Eller 
Um, you know, it's not quite like having like Brad Marchand and Bergeron out there. Um, but those are guys that the other teams have to worry about that they they are capable of of making power plays pay if they get a little reckless out near their blue line. Right. It's certainly a more skilled group at the very least compared to last year's one that yeah, like you said, you got some you got some talent there, some guys who can put the pucks in um if the situation arises. But um, I think that does it for us on our trends discussion. That takes us into our stick taps. Uh balls in your corner or pucks in your corner, Matt. Who uh who are you giving stick taps out to? Um I don't think I'm stealing yours. I can't remember what you picked, but uh, I'm going to go with Magnus Helberg. Um, that's not yours, right? I didn't steal nope. it. All That'd good. Great. Um, yeah, obviously Helberg came in um, and, and, and played very well um, in, in two different situations. I mean, coming in in a one nothing game to replace Jari late in Anaheim, uh, stopping 11 of 11 to, to help the Pens get that win, a uh, 2 nothing win. I, I think that's, that's awesome. And then in his first start with the Penguins, um, you know, I think he played really well in L.A. I mean, the team readily admitted they probably didn't deserve to win that game and they held on to win. It wasn't all because of Helberg, but I thought he was very well uh, played very well. So, yeah, I mean, if that guy's your third goalie, I, I think you can feel pretty good about that. And I, I will say, too, like, you know, Alex Nadalkovich is nearing a return. It appears he's been skating individually. He can be activated in about a week or so, um, you know, and he, he's not going to lose his job due to injury. Um, but you do wonder if, you know, at some point this season, we see Helberg overtake him for the backup. And, and that's not necessarily a knock on Nadelkovich. I think Helberg's been really, really good. And I think he has learned a lot about himself late in his career and become a, a pretty capable NHL goalie. Uh, it's also funny. He was, uh, you know, Will Farrell was at that Kings game and yeah. uh, he was in the corner behind Helberg uh, and they scored a goal. And I saw Will Farrell celebrate a little bit, kind of a muted celebration. Uh, at least as you expect from Will Ferrell. But after the game, I was like, I said to Helbert, I was like, did you know Will Ferrell was like right behind you? And he was like, oh, I didn't. He was like, oh, he's one of my favorite actors. I would have, he was all excited. What a guy. So that that doesn't have anything to do with anything. I just wanted to share that story. I mean, it's a fun one. I, I saw that written, your game stories dovetail in that conversation. I really enjoy, I always enjoy reading your pieces, but it makes me laugh when I read game stories from, you know, remote locations where you do a good job of like inserting the local flavor. Like how I, I was writing about weed in Anaheim. <laughs> yeah, that, that, we all had like a contact buzz up in the press box. I swear to God. So, somebody was like getting high and more power to them, like right below the press box. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a fun game. I had a bunch of chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> Wonder why, man. Man, that, yeah. that's a big surprise. Um, but no, that's just a funny conversation there. Um, uh, for my stick tap, I'll go I'll go to Ryan Shea. Um, some fans might be surprised why I'm giving him that stick tap. The reason I do is because the third pair was a big question mark for the Penguins coming into the year. And when you're not talking about guys the way that we were talking about P.O. Joseph and Chad Ruedel after the Detroit game when those guys were – you know, they, they struggled pretty mightily against the Red Wings in that loss. Ryan Shea, we haven't talked about a lot because the third pair hasn't been an issue. Um, it's his first NHL season. He's come up here and looks like he belongs opposite uh, Ruedel. It's a very different conversation on P.O. Joseph, who's been a healthy scratch eight of nine games. But uh, stick taps to Shea for getting up to speed seems like pretty darn quickly here at the NHL level. I don't know if the third pair, you say it has been an issue. Maybe it hasn't been a huge issue because right. of Shea. Um yeah, it's surprising. He's the one guy that is, has consistently played well in that third pair. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens when John Ludwig comes back in terms of the other two guys. But I, I think Shea is more than shown that he belongs in the NHL. 
I gotta say, he's a guy, you know, they signed him in July and I was like, all right, here's like another depth guy who's going to be, you know, enjoying the, the fine cuisine in Wilkesbury. Um, so that's on me for not really, uh, what, what's that Shaq meme? Like, Oh, sorry. Like I apologize. I wasn't familiar with your game. Yeah. That's me right now. He, he's been pretty good. A tremendous reference right there. I did not expect you to pull that out of your bag. That's great, Matt. Well, you spent a lot of time, uh, staring at your phone when your kids are watching bluey and, oogie and things of this nature you, you learn about all the the cool things the kids are uh memeing about man you just crapped on my two favorite tv shows all right never mind whatever <laughs> I, I thought it was all right fun. whatever all right let's done. get out of here if we're if we're talking about how you watch bluey we, we better get you off the hook here all right that's it thanks for the pot thanks for tuning in guys to the podcast we'll catch you all next week be sure to keep up with our content on the post hyphen gazette website and we will catch you all next week Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.